and welcome to the Dip to NBA podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffer. Mr. Boffer, my man, how are we? So good. Oh, that's good. So happy to be here. Oh, it's a are. Sunday morning, and I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready Look, to go. You've had your dare ice coffee. Oh, have I ever? <laughs> but it, um, yeah, yeah, um, it, it's lifted my spirits, but it just, it goes through you. <laughs> It really does. It really does. Anyway, TMI. <laughs> Sorry about that. Great information. 15 <laughs> seconds in. Uh, today, we are going to smash through a little bit of news. So, I mean, let's just get right into it. Let's do it. Um, there was a tweet from Woj couple probably last week um, saying that the NBA Board of Governors has passed changes on league tampering, which are going to, I mean, I'm not really sure when they're going to take effect, but they're definitely going to be in effect for the next off season. Uh, and these... These punishments for tampering will include suspending executives, taking away draft picks, voiding contracts, and I think that's it. I think that's it, among other things. Yeah, or there'll be a big-ass fine as well. Yeah, oh, ma- that's right, yeah, 10 the million. The maximum fine's been moved from 5, five mil to 10 mil. Yeah, which uh, it's, it's really tricky because obviously we need to do something about it. This, this obviously comes after – well, I'm going to ask you, do we need to do something about it? Because obviously we saw on day one of free agency – uh, $3.2 billion worth of contracts were signed um, on day one. And it's a bit it's a bit like, okay, well, if there is no tampering, if we all live in a perfect world, did everyone is everyone just brilliant at negotiating? And we just got so much done on day one. Um, you know, like, is that is that really bad? Yeah, I think it is. Because it, like, uh, like, it decreases the integrity of, like, of free agency and the contracts that are signed and, and you know, like, commitment. Uh, but I think it's kind of like shaving your head. It, you like want to grow your hair really long, so you shave it all off, and you, you know you know that in eighteen months you're going to love where it's at. But the process to get there is going to be pretty ugly. So I mean, five years down the track, if the NBA sticks to these rules, we're going to have like what free agency and trade season that really should be. But to get there with the state of things currently, it's going to be really difficult because the players have so much power and the players are, you know, trying to push it in a direction where there's tampering and where they can always talk to each other about teaming up. And the off-season starts, you know, like the, the sort of coverage of this whole story has been talking about how the a lot of the GMs are talking about how the, the off-season starts at the Combine in May and then mm. players are talking about how it starts at the All-Star game in February. Yeah. So... Uh, like if that's the situation and you want to bring it back for the players like four months before the off-season really starts, like that's a task. If you can get there, it'll be good. But I think, yeah, and I think it, some of... How, how bad is it though that like we're all talking about Kyrie to Brooklyn and it's like, oh, where's KD going to go during the actual NBA finals, like the peak of what basketball should be? We're watching the games. We're like, fuck, did you watch Kawhi like killing that game? And then an hour later, we're like, oh, Kyrie just signed with Rock Nation. Like, ooh, what's going on here? Like, this is yeah. this is super juicy. And uh, is that really bad for the league? What if what if Kyrie signed with Rock Nation after, what is it, July 1st? What mm-hmm. if every, what if this all happened after July 1st? That would be, like, an awesome day for news, and we, we would love it. But really, like, it's just – I think it's really just adding to the news cycle and adding more content and adding more this and that and then – when you get the news of Kemba, how it's like, oh, Kemba's going to sign. And then it's like, well, it's not official, but we already know four days early. And then we know all about how L. Horford wasn't offered a fourth year. He wasn't offered over $100 million. And then Dallas said, oh, well, we're, we're interested. And then as soon as free agency comes, Philly come out of nowhere. We're like, well, this is, this is three stages of news that we wouldn't have got 
if we had just waited till July 1st. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> um, but the reason why we wouldn't get that if we waited, like there's a world in which if NBA teams weren't so trigger happy that you could still get those three stages of news after July 1st. Like if that all took, took course over the place with three weeks, which like it effectively did, mm. if people weren't rushing to sign everyone on midnight of July 1st and you would prepare to wait, you know, like a team that wants to sign Horford, they're, they're prepared to actually like wait it out and not sign, you know, the Mavericks, not sign DeLon Wright into the cap space that was going to be yeah, yeah. Al Horford. Like if you just don't pull the trigger on that, then all of a sudden you can go through that like, oh, Al Horford wasn't offered the fourth year by the Celtics after the deadline and then the Mavericks tried to make an offer and then it wasn't what he wanted and so he went to Philly. You could all push that back, but it's in some way it's the teams that they're just like, they just like rush to like to spend the money um, somewhere that kind of like shoots them in the foot. But I think like, I don't know how you can actually adjudicate it because <laughs> the $10 million fine for tampering sounds great, but $10 million, if the if it's like, oh, the Nets got fined $10 million for tampering with Kyrie, but all of a sudden you've got Kyrie and KD, yeah. like you make $10 million back in jersey sales in one week. Also, you, you look at it like, oh, well, we really need this difference maker in Kemba, uh, but we're going to get fined $10 million. So it's like, oh, okay, well, We'll just cop the fine and we get closer to a championship. Yeah, it's like the it's like the championship tax. It's a hurdle. And I was reading uh, an article on the Ringer by your uh, one true love, Haley O'Shaughnessy, <laughs> and she pointed out quite astutely that players probably aren't gonna want to give over their phones. Um, the rules talk saying that um, the NBA can look through phone calls and chats and stuff. Basically, the rundown with that is that all NBA teams need to keep their communications with agents um, over the last year. They need to have that constant. And then every year, the NBA will audit randomly five teams' communications for that entire year. So every six years, every team's going to have a random audit gone through. So, like, if the NBA is auditing you, like, you can't tamper because you'll get fined. Mm. But um, players represented by the Players Association, if the NBA comes in like, all right, you know, like... Kawhi, I want to see Yeah, Kawhi, I want to see your phone. <laughs> he's going to be like, hell no. Yeah. I, I've sat out an entire year for less than this. If you want to see my phone, I'm not going to play. And he's got Michelle Roberts and the whole Players Union behind him. Like, and Michelle he, Roberts isn't going to let the NBA just come and look through players' phones because the thing about it is that, yeah, they're employees, but they're also people, like... Yeah, and yeah. Also, Kawhi's probably got like a Nokia flip phone as well, so <laughs> it's probably like too archaic technology to look through the text. But yeah, they, Adam Silver's asking for a code of compliance. I think were the words he used. So he's saying, look, these rules are out here, and we can void contracts, we can suspend executives, but we don't want to. So just be nice. And then the, I think the photo on on that article that I read was a photo of Pat Riley, and like, mm. it's just like if all let's say. Let's say all thirty NBA teams say, "Yep, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really do this. Like, no, no more tampering." And then four four teams are like, "Nah, fuck you!" Like, if everyone's just gonna like not do it, we'll, we'll do we, it. We've just got the jump. So then yeah. they start doing it, and then twenty six teams are like, "Oh fuck!" Well, we tried to be nice, but then they beat us. So what are we gonna do? Because this is a, such a like brilliant opportunity. If you're like in the middle and you're like, "Oh, well, if we just cheat, maybe cop ten million, and maybe we get, maybe we do get avoided," but the the possibility of winning and actually getting that, you know, key asset is much more, you know, the high the high is much better than, you know, the juice is the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, the juice is worth the squeeze. It's like you got to get you got to get everyone. If you don't get everyone, then you get no one. Mm. 
Um, the one thing that uh, I, I was unaware of before kind of looking into this is that there actually have been a few examples uh, about 20 years ago of the NBA stepping in because of tampering. So in the late 90s, they um, voided Juwan Howard's contract with the Heat. He signed like, a, I think it was seven years, like 98 million. Um, and David Stern was like, you tampered, like, see you later, mm. contract done. And then a year a year or two later, the Timberwolves tried to sign some absolute rando <laughs> to some big contract. I can't remember what his name was. <coughs> and the league stepped in and confiscated draft picks. Do you know what they confiscated? Oh. They fined them like, you know, X amount of money. Yeah. They confiscated their 2000 through 2005 first round picks. Mm. 2002 and four, I think, were later reinstated. But that's taking 2000, 2001, three, five. That's four first round picks because mm. you, you know. So, like, if, um, like, let's take, like, you know, say, like, like, say, like, three years ago, like, the LeBron, the LeBron Cavs. Yeah. Pretty much every season they were, like, going to swing a trade for some, like, aging middling vet using their first round pick. If yeah. you took away that, that was, like, the only trade asset that they had that they could afford to yeah, give to up. Get, like, Kyle Korver. Yeah, yeah, like, Kyle yeah, Korver. Yeah. So that's the only thing they can trade that's not, like, an integral part of their team. If mm-hmm. you take that away, like, that cripples their ability to, you know, if you take that away from them, four first round picks, then the 2017 Cavs, uh, it's like the Cavs for all eternity. Like yeah, that's yeah. like that's the team, and everyone gets older and worse. Like if you yeah. take away, well, it's a bit like the Clippers right now because the Clippers made sure that they gave they gave up future assets, but they have their own first round pick this mm. year. Um, and if if they do get in trouble for tampering with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, um, and they do lose, that is their only non sort of tangible asset mm. they have right now to improve. Um, which if you read the deep to NBA blog, there might be a little bit of, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, little talk, bit of we'll talk about that later, but that is, their, that is their thing. So if they do get fined and sort of restricted for that, then they could lose their one asset to maybe swing a difference maker. Yeah, well, I mean, Clippers will be okay because they've got other players, but like there's a, like I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's a team in the league who could be crippled by this if the league actually decides to step in. And the other thing that I find really weird, you know when Magic Johnson and the Lakers got fined mm. for... Tampering, mm-hmm. that was like a five hundred thousand dollar fine. Yeah, yeah, it's and, peanuts. So. And we, and you know now it's ten million, but it, we know that it was five million was the maximum fine you could give. So Magic Johnson like full blown just like calls Paul George's agent when he's uh, when he's um, and winks on Jimmy Kimmel when he's in yeah when he's in yeah. Indiana. He's like anyway, bro. Um, so we should get Paul George on the Lakers. How can but we make it happen? That, that's where I know you're a big conspiracy theory man. That's where the conspiracy theory of him just quitting unexpectedly comes in where it's like oh look we'll find you this and you won't lose any face but yeah just quit <laughs> yeah just quit but I just think it's weird though that like Magic Johnson did what at the time was like the most brazen act of tampering that we'd seen in the last five years and he got fined half a milli for it yeah um, but also then there's another conspiracy theory that that's why Paul George re-upped in OKC because they were like yeah the league was like you can't fucking yeah. go and that's why I think like everyone loves Adam Silver right now, and as soon as he came in, all the Donalds and stuff happened, and he he treated it as well as he could. He did he did a great job, and you know that's a great start to a great career for Adam Silver. Um, and we talk about David Stern, and we go, oh, there's the CP3 Lakers stuff, mm-hmm. and there's a, I mean, there's a few other things like the frozen envelope, and he's sort of a bit tainted with his tenure. And I don't think Adam Silver wants to. Like, let's say he steps in and says, oh, Celtics, you can't have Kemba. You were clearly talking to him four days before free agency. He is just, you know, public enemy number one in Boston. So does he really want to lose face that much? And that's why he's come out and said, 
I want a code of compliance because he doesn't want to be like the big daddy that comes in and spanks him. Mm. That was strangely <laughs> sexual. Extremely but visual imagery. He doesn't want to be the evil guy that takes away your favorite player. Yeah, so 100%. he can sit there and say code of compliance, code of compliance. But yeah, but if it's he, hollow, then it, he loses face anyway. So the NFL, uh, basically in the NFL, like the offensive and defensive lines on pretty much every play, someone holds someone. There's yeah. a rule against it. Um, it's ten. It's a ten-yard penalty. If you get called for it, it's like a pretty bad penalty. It can like really cripple your ability to score. Anyway, this year, the NFL through the first three weeks has been like refs. You need to really look out for this holding. So there's a point of emphasis on that they're, they're calling these holding calls, and because it happens on every fucking play, what happens is that the rate of uh, the rate at which they're calling holding has increased by two and a half times, like two hundred and fifty percent. And so now everyone's like, this is fucking bullshit. Like. Everyone, like, it's holding on every play. Like, let the guys play. And so the NFL is trying to go towards this, like, platonic ideal where um, penalties are actually enforced, but they're seeing the very real consequence that it has a negative impact on the product and people aren't happy. And it's the same the same thing here. Like, it's going to be... Uh, it's not going to make it as fun because you're right. In talking about how the new cycle works now, it's like there's... Instead of it being everyone talks about just the NBA finals and then, you know, two weeks later it's free agency... You're talking about four or five different things on the same day. Yeah. The content cycle is just elite. Yeah. So, that you know, that it, it works for everyone at the moment. Like, everyone's making money from it. The players have the exposure. They have the ability to do what they want. But in order to change it, which I think changing it is, like, a good goal. I think that it should be more regulated. I think that there should be more structure in how you can and should work within the system. But getting there is going to drastically decrease the fun that people have with it, at least, at least until that behaviour comes normalised and teams aren't trying to look to tamper and circumvent mm-hmm. the system anymore. So I th- it just it just depends on how game they are. The NFL has a long history of making these changes and then everyone gets up in arms about it and then three weeks later they're like, oh, actually, nah, we'll just go back to the way it was before. Mm-hmm. So if, 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 these, if these penalties... Uh, you know, just like a, a slap on the wrist and team doesn't really change behaviour, it's not good. And if they're not, it'll be, you know, and, and people do... It might tr- hurt the product. It'll hurt the product for sure. And it will be a, a couple of years and they'll need to really grit their teeth and, and, and just get through it. Mm. The, re- the reward would be good, I think, but... Yeah, it's yeah. We'll have to see yeah. how tough they go on it. It's but unpalatable. I'm I'm actually very happy that Kemba's in Boston and the, they didn't get in trouble and he had to resign with Charlotte. Like this is a better product because teams are saying let's go out, put together a championship team, and win. Like you know, Draymond texted in KD after they lost the finals, like that sort of stuff. Like this yeah. is it is tampering has got us to where we are today, and today we are in a very good place. And yeah. I think small markets can, you know, sort of bitch and moan, but Milwaukee are a championship contender last year, next year, and the year after. So just be smart, draft well. You, If you draft well, you get to keep that player for at least eight years. Mm. Just don't be a dickhead. I think the one thing that the, that the NBA can't try and control is, is, is player-to-player contact. Yeah, and that that's that's just a bit OTT. If you can make sure that player-to-player contact doesn't spread to agents and or GMs before free agency starts, then do it. Like Kyrie can't text KD and be like, "Hey, we should play in Brooklyn." And then, um, you know, Rich Kleiman, KD's agent, goes to you know um, Brooklyn and they're like, yeah. "Hey, I want to play in Brooklyn next season." Like that can't happen. But Kyrie and KD can talk all they want. Like you can't you can't regulate that. Yeah. So <laughs> and at be... worst case, we just get more mid court chats with. 
pulling your shirt up. Yeah, above pulling, your, yeah pulling your shirt the up. Classic, <laughs> the classic LeBron to every other player. Yeah, LeBron to every other player. Yeah. Anyway, I think 15, mon- 15 minutes is quite a bit of time to talk about hey, anyone, an interesting topic. Anyone who knows me just knows that I fucking love tampering. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, on to the next one. Orlando, the Orlando Magic have picked up Markel Fultz's rookie option for the 2020-21 season worth $12.3 million. Um, this is They are going to, be play, they're going to be paying him this year, but this is his fourth-year option for a guy who's played 33 games in the NBA. Also the youngest guy in the league to um, ever record a triple-double. So I fucking love the Fultz situation. I think it is so interesting, like... I think it's. I think this is so interesting. I, I I love it that just think about last season. JJ Redick was taken out of the starting lineup, and Fultz was put in the starting lineup for a couple of games. Like that, that happened. That's fucking awesome. But obviously, when Orlando gave up a first round pick and a second round pick to get Fultz, they and knew. And Jonathan Simmons. <laughs> Don't forget, he was the linchpin. Yeah, you're right. He was a linchpin. But they, they knew that in trading for this guy, like you're obviously going to have to pick up his option. You don't want to go into a restricted free agency and like make it a bit messy. Like they clearly traded for him, knowing this was coming. This mm. isn't this isn't news as such as like Orlando have made a decision. They made this decision long ago, but it's news that like this dude just like he's getting another chance, and like if he plays, I don't know, like. It's just it, this is it's just so interesting. Like he has the opportunity to come back at the start of this season, which reports are out that he's not going to be there at the start of the season, um, and he's not actually playing five and fives at the moment. But there is an opportunity to break into a point guard rotation of DJ Augustine and Michael Carter Williams. And if he if he can't do this, then then we've got a problem. Like I'm still holding out hope that he can crack in. At the worst, be like a good backup point guard, and like at the best, be a bad starter. Like. There is hope here, and I'm I'm really happy that this happened. Yeah, <laughs> you. I think there's just a lot to unpack. I I, I kind of disagree though with you about that they made this decision long ago. The pick that they gave to Philly was like so revoltingly protected. I think it conveys into like, it'll almost certainly convey into seconds rather than first. They gave an extra second, and they gave up Jonathan Simmons, who was like nada. Like playing yeah. terribly, yeah. He was like their eleventh wing. He wasn't so good in Orlando. It was just he's a fi- throw he's in. Fine in Philly, yeah, yeah, it's just a throw in. So I feel like that you know, if if the cost ends up being like two or three seconds and Jonathan Simmons for a one year look at Mark Alfords, you don't necessarily have to lock yourself in. Twelve mils a lot, especially for a team that's going to be a, a championship contender. Sorry, a playoff contender. <laughs> sorry, Freudian slip. Uh, you know, like they 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 have they have big aspirations. They can't really afford just to piss away twelve million, and no one's trading for Fultz on a twelve million contract if he doesn't work out. So it's not a tradable contract if it doesn't work out. I kind of get the feeling, and I don't know why this is, but I feel like Fultz is either going to never make it or he's going to be really good. I don't think there's a world in which he like you know, he's like your your third guard and he's just like solid for a good team. I feel like he's going to either be like scoring like clo- close to twenty points with like you know five or six assists, like kind of like a step down, kind of like a step down from like a like a sort of like a CJ McCollum type production, like like a little bit worse than that. As a starter. Yeah, as a starter. I like But I just, you don't reckon that's gonna happen. You're saying he's more not gonna be in the league in two years. I have no feeling for it because because yeah. like the, Well no one does. That's yeah, no one so does. interesting. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. I think it is a good sign though for him that they they're like, yeah, we'll pay you twelve million next year. Oh, the bloke hasn't even played played yeah. five and five. Steve Clifford the other day I was like, yeah, he's not playing five and five. So 
it's, makes you it's wonder a big what. sign of like they trust him and it's if if not whether you think like yeah they gave up nothing and like 12 12 million is a lot to spend they are also saying like look we're invested in you you're here next year and the year after like you you are our dude we're we're here for you for the next two years which i mean if he's got the yips then maybe that helps i don't know but if if it is a shoulder injury like this is why it's so interesting like what the hell's going on like over under for these next two seasons um does he play so two seasons right so about 160 games does he play over under 50 and a half i'm gonna go over yeah yeah i would go under he might not play until February this this season. Yeah, but why the fuck not? <laughs> is what I want to know. Like, if it is a shoulder injury, it's a shoulder injury unlike any that has ever been seen in a major American sport. Like maybe baseball. Yeah. yeah. But you never see any football players with this. I've never seen an NBA player with a shoulder injury that's like effectively limited him to thirty-three <laughs> of a possible hundred and you know, including yeah. playoffs like a hundred and you know, yeah, you know, like a hundred almost two hundred games over the last two seasons. They meant the playoffs both years. Yeah. Um, and if it is, if it is the yips or, you know, like air quotes, the yips, if he does have like sort of like a, you know, an anxiety issue or like a severe confidence deficit, isn't this why, um, people hire fucking sports psychologists and shit? Yeah, and it's not like they're running out of money for, yeah, <laughs> for trainers. Don't, yeah. Don't Philly and Orlando have like a billion dollars to be able to spend on someone to give this guy the support that he needs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just mystifying, like. Like you want to take approach it holistically and make sure that the individual at the center of it is okay, even if he is okay, but his shoulder's not. Then it's like, I like WTF, bro. <laughs> I just, it is interesting. I mean, if he is good, then Orlando's all of a sudden like pretty, pretty good because Ford's running a pick and roll with you know the three-headed monster of Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon. Um, not bad. Uh, not too. I, I love it for Orlando and I love it for news entertainment reasons. Like, it's just so interesting. Yeah. I, I honestly think he's going to play less than those games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, that means that you, you think he's going to flame out. Like, if he plays less than those games, it's, it's because no, no, he does. No. All right, my official prediction for Markel Fultz is he's not going to do much in the next two years in Orlando. Like, like I, I think he probably could crack him, but I just don't think he will. Um, He's just, there's going to be the injury stuff. If he's not playing five of five now, is he going to be ready for pre-season in like a couple of weeks I don't know maybe this season's another lost season bloody bar and then his contract's up he goes into free agency and there's going to be some team out there like maybe like Phoenix right now like you would pay him a minimum contract and then maybe there's five teams that are like oh yeah we'll give you a minimum and then one team says oh okay we'll give you like five million because it's just like yeah but then if he rocks up to camp and he can't make the team because he sucks but I think him on a minimum I think I don't know. Like this is why it's so interesting. Yeah, but, but he like, won a minimum in two years. Like if he's not on the magic in two years, it's because he's shown that he sucks or that he can't play. Like yeah. if he's good, he's on the magic because they'll re-sign him. But I think point guard is such a position of me. Like Chris Dunn is still getting paid. <laughs> yeah, Chris Dunn's still getting paid, but like, you know, Chris Dunn's getting paid on a team that has you know Kobe White and Thomas Sadoransky. Like they don't. Yeah. You know they don't need. Like Chris Dunn's the third point guard. Like that's fine. I think I, if Fultz is good, he, the Magic lock him up. Th- At whatever that looks like, we don't know because, you know, like... It would have been really interesting if they declined this option and to see what his... Mar- like, let's say he doesn't play a single game. What's his market like? What, like, what's his market like right now? I think it's I think it's a minimum. That's sick. The like, only... It's so interesting because he could be really good. Yeah, the, the only person in the last, like, 
10 years, who is like a comparable case is Anthony Bennett, who mm. we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, he he um, played. The difference here is that he actually played and proved that he sucked. Mm. But, you know, he, he didn't get helped by the pedigree of being the number one over. People were like... Three years, you know, mm. three years after after he was traded in the love, the Kevin Love trade, and then like waived by the Timberwolves, people went like, "Oh, like let's sign this guy and give him a chance to prove himself." I was like, "No, you prove yourself." I think if he if he doesn't make it in, you know, yeah, he had the perfect situation in Philly, in terms of good mix of young players who you presumably feel like you had a good relationship with, veteran coach, veteran support alongside him and now he's going and playing again veteran coach young team there's a clear role for him and there's an opportunity for him to take the reins if he can't do that then I don't know that he's an NBA yeah. player and I think the only thing that he would have a chance of doing is get an off-season invite to a camp and you know and Okay, well, I think if we've proven anything in the last five minutes is that we don't have a fucking clue yeah. No <laughs> It's a lot of ifs, and I love it. Anyway. If you came to us to get the answers, I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Joseph. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so um, one of the big things this offseason in terms of, like, big picture NBA um, after Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers a couple of years ago, the Nets got sold. Uh, Russian mafia gang member... Uh, oil oligarch Mikhail Prokhorov sold the team to Joseph Tsai, who's the co-founder of Alibaba. So this dude's got stacks <laughs> on stacks on stacks. Um, sold the Barclays Center and the Nets to Joseph Tsai for $3.5 billion US dollars. For those of you uh, in Australia, that's quite a lot of money. It's like almost... For those of you in America, that's quite a lot of money as well. Like, it's almost $5 billion. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty big. Um, anyway, so the last time we saw an owner like Joseph Sire come in was uh, someone who we talked about on last week's pod with Aless, Vivek Ranadive, when he bought the Kings, comes from, uh, like, a, a tech background, um, Asian, Asian company, um, like, one of the most successful companies in the world, very, very hands-on, like, very, very hands-on with his business. Like, he, um, Joseph Tsai and Jack Ma kind of built Alibaba from the ground up and had a very big role in, you know, the diversification of their portfolio and yada, yada, all this business stuff. So what I want to know is, is this bloke going to come in and be one too many cooks in the kitchen with... Um, this team, there's... I'll, I'll give you two answers. The first one is no. The second one is no because we, like, we, we don't really know is because, you know, who, who is this dude? Is he going to come in? Is he, like, super controlly, bloody bar? But I think when you compare it to the Kings, Vivek came in and the Kings were a dumpster fire, um, like, a, like a really bad dumpster fire. And, like, obviously all these business guys have come in. They've found success elsewhere. Um, new owner syndrome is because they come in, they've found success in other ventures, they think they can just jump in and just keep finding success, but really maybe owning a sports team is a bit different to running Alibaba. Um, so, like, we don't know, but I think the fact that he's coming into a competent organisation that um, clearly after the Billy King trade and everything that happened with, you know, KG and Paul Pierce has really built himself up. They made a lot of, you know, value trades and now they've got KD and Kyrie. So they clearly know what they're doing He's not coming into a dumpster fire in Sacramento. He's coming to an established organization 
And I think if he's got, you know, a brain between his, between his ears, he's not going to want to interrupt what good stuff has been going on, minus the DeAndre Jordan signing. <laughs> I kind of want him to be like the um, like the owner from maybe like the 2K18 uh, career mode where he just like <laughs> he just comes in and he's like, so anyway, uh, I was looking at some stats and I want you to trade for Derek Rose. <laughs> and he makes you trade. <laughs> he makes you trade like one of your good young players to Derek Rose. He just rocks up and he's like, Kenny Atkinson, hey, listen, man. Michael Beasley, yeah, this guy's yeah. good. No, yeah. I just in the my gym, it was always Vince Carter because they had actually. Yeah, it was always like, oh, make a trade for Vince Carter. <laughs> he had actually like recorded. He had recorded a bunch of like audio stuff. So if you didn't trade for him because you're fucking competent and he was 39, they would automatically jump in and trade for you because he had a lot of dialogue like pre-recorded. Yeah, fucking. I kind of want. I kind of want to see what that's like. I, I don't know. Um, I hope he does nothing. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about this at the end of the pod. Um, just touching on the blog, but we're launching a blog. I've got a piece coming out that touches largely on Kyrie, but also a little bit on. There's a lot of tension in this organization because they've got probably the two least predictable, <laughs> rational players in the NBA in Kyrie and KD in the organization, with a coach who's like pretty head screwed on, pretty good coach good organizational structure but this new owner coming in i don't know prokhorov was like ridiculously hands off like yeah. like like if if joseph sai has any involvement with the team whatsoever other than just like collecting checks he's going to be much more hands on than prokhorov was the last couple of years i don't know like yeah a uh, fi- final point on this it really pisses me off that prokhorov has just made money because he came in and he was like, oh, I want to win a championship. Oh, do whatever. Oh, yeah. Look, I'll give that the okay. Like, how old is he? 35. Oh, I'm like 50. Like, that's fine. Yeah, um, To KG and stuff. But, like, uh, it's pissing me off that he did nothing right apart yeah. from just say, all right, you do it. And then they've got KD and Kyrie and obviously they're worth a lot more now because yeah. they're the big team in New York. But really, that's his legacy is <laughs> flipping the switch and realizing that sometimes delegation is the best kind of action you can take. But that's really, it's really interesting that you mentioned that though because we were right. For the first like three years of here on the team, he was like fucking like, like so like, you know. Two, he put pressure on. Yeah, two hands on. He was really like acting through the front office. Um, he moved them from New Jersey to Brooklyn. Like he did all this stuff. And then once it became clear that all the stuff he wanted to do actually sucked, he was like, oh, all right, I guess, I guess you guys can do it. And then it, it worked out. So That's actually good. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see how we go with Joey T. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, I just feel like there's a lot of organizational pressure and there's some people who, some players there who, if things don't go right, it would be interesting to see how they react. And if things don't go right from an ownership perspective, this is the bloke who, who over the past 20 years has established the largest, I think it might be like the largest trading company in the world, definitely the largest trading company in Asia, yeah. who has been in adverse situations, I'm sure, and has always been able to like take action and get his way out of it. Like if the Nets are 10 and 14 through the first quarter, you know, the first quarter-ish of the season, what happens? Mm. I want to find out. I'm tuned in. Team USA lost to France in the FIBA World Cup. Breaking news, breaking news here in the deep two. Um, And they obviously eventually lost to Serbia in a consolation game, which was really awkward. And they finished seventh, which is the lowest they've finished since like before the Dream Team, Mm. I think. Um, And 
obviously there's been a lot of talk about this. Like uh, um, Spain went on to win. It was probably Australia's to lose, but that's uh, that's a conversation for a different day. Um, and in all this hustle bustle about where the Team USA, where USA is at the moment, um, Steph, Clay and Dame have all committed to the Olympics for next season. And what are your thoughts? I think that I think that this is obviously um, obviously a direct reaction to them finishing seventh. Yeah, uh, like there probably wouldn't have been this like outcry of the outpour of support for the Olympic campaign if they had just like mopped up with like Marcus Smart playing significant minutes. So now these guys are like, yeah, yeah, we'll play like national pride, represent at the Olympics because obviously people care more about a gold medal than a World Cup medal. Mm. Um, and I th- yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I think these dudes are going to ro- rock up and it'll be like the last Olympics and it will just be like a, you know. Yeah, bloodbath. Yeah, bloodbath. It'll be, so won't even be close. There's two, there's two sort of trains of thought. The one is, um, I think Ben Golver sort of champions this. He goes, look, recruiting is part of winning the Olympics. If you can't recruit like LeBron and KD to play, then that's not their fault for wanting to spend their summer. That's your fault for not saying representing country. Mm. So while you say, oh, look, America didn't, didn't have that good a team, oh, they should have won, um, you can put the blame on them and say, well, go get big big names. Like if you threw a James Harden into this team, you might have won a tournament and it's your own fault for not going out and just saying, oh, Kemba's enough. But the other train of thought is we should do what happened in sort of after 2004 where – you go in and you get LeBron, you get KD and Dwayne Wade, and you say, "Look, you know this is, this is you guys better commit and you better commit for ten years because we can grow something amazing and have like the second. I mean, obviously it was the redeemed team, um, and I was really excited to go down that path with like saying, "All right, Zion, Trey, um, come into the Olympics. You might not actually win next year, but if you come in, you're going to be here. You'll have a guaranteed spot for the next fifteen years, and then you get like Jaron Jackson Jr. and you get." You know, <laughs> enter, yeah. enter the names. In. You know, you can get, you can go with the youth movement. But now that Steph's done this, um, this this could set up Steph to be like, I think he might be like one of the most favorite like players in the world after this season because just like most loved. Like he's already most loved, but he might come into this next season. No clay. It's pretty much just him and D'Angelo. But you know, Steph's clearly the number one. He might come in and he has a chance to win another MVP and take another jump and like average forty points if he stays healthy. Like he's not actually, but you know, he can he can go crazy like that. And then straight off that, he's going to go in and be the best player on a gold medal team. Like it's going to be a fucking amazing year for Steph if he can do it. Yeah, yeah that's all. I mean, it's all there for him. I think just on your point about like bringing in the youth movement, I don't think that that's really possible at the moment because. With Mark Shashevsky and Greg Popovich, two like, like must be like ninety years old, both of them, mm. two old dudes running the show. They have the last, they you know they've been there for the last fifteen years. They have yeah. those relationships with with everyone who's come through. So they have those relationships with the people that you know the three guys who just committed, like Steph, Clay, Dame, LeBron, D Wade, Carmelo, all those old guard guys. Like they, that's you know mm. who they know. That's kind of the structure i think if we were like we will undoubtedly see like a transition to like a you know zion jjj trey kind of led team but that will probably have to come with a change in the coaching staff like a move yeah. to you know like well, maybe if brad stevens just, becomes a new coach and then it's but like if they just look to the assistants like steve kurz there lloyd pierce and like maybe brad stevens comes in it's right there but 
I think Pop has been trying to get this um, USA gig for such a long time, and he's finally got it. I don't think he's going to give it up in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, I mean, if he you know does move on from the Spurs, he would still USA, every four years. Yeah, the USA gig is like the perfect semi-retirement job. Yeah, it's like yeah. you just get paid so much money, and you only have to do work like every second summer. Yeah, and it's the work bad. is like you know telling LeBron to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to like be like the nitty gritty of telling you know like. Yeah, three years ago, telling a young David Bertans how to set a proper down screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right, guys, practice has started. Um, blue team's going that way, red team's going that way. All and right, then you can have just fun. sip on a coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think now that Steph and Clay and Damian Lillard have committed, I think they're going to go that way because obviously you want to get the biggest names and you're not going to say no to Steph. Like, no, sorry, we're playing Trey Young over you. You're not going to do that. So... While it does seem really nice to have you know Zion and like the next youth movement come in, it's not going to be a fully fledged rebuild for want of a better word. It's going to be all right. We're going to try and get stars again, and I think if you literally added one of Steph or Dame into this team, they would have done much better than seventh. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, after the ne- after next year's Olympics, when you know you would imagine that a lot more All NBA caliber players come out and they say that they're committing after three All NBA caliber players have already done it. After that, it's only three more years until the next. Uh, the next World Cup, um, so you can you know like like you can have the next World Cup as like when you have your young guys come in, your twenty three, twenty four year olds come in. You say, all right, you're in for the next ten years. You've got what's effectively a warm up tournament. If they don't play well, it's like fucking all right, no stress. We've got the Olympics next year. Mm. So then they play together again. And it's like this is you know that's when you can start. Like it's you know it's 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 nicely set up. I think mm. for for there to be that run that you, you're talking about, but I think just not quite yet. Yeah, and we're still waiting to see if Ben Simmons is going to play in the Olympics. Cough. <laughs> um, something that caught my eye, Joe Johnson um, has signed with the Pistons. Big three MVP <laughs> Joe Johnson has signed with the Pistons. Um, who, yeah, they've released Michael Beasley to make room for him. So, so long the um, first two picks of the 2008 draft being on the same roster together. <laughs> that was fun last it lasted. Um, yeah, Joe Johnson last played for Utah in the NBA and had a game-winning shot in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Remember that one? He, like, posted up in the middle of the key. I think he played for Houston, man. No, it wasn't for Houston. Surely it was Utah. Anyway, we'll fact-check ourselves. Um, anyway, Joe Johnson was really, really good for a playoff team the last time he played. Joe Johnson last played for Houston. Yeah, yeah but the the um, the game winner. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was, it was for Utah, and they, like, they like leaned on him down the stretch in that game, and he got, like, you know, he was, like, the only source of offense in, like, a really... I just remember it really vividly. Anyway, my point is, Joe Johnson was actually good last time he was in the NBA. He took a year out played in the big three and just eviscerated the entire league. He led it in scoring and assists and his team won the championship. Um, this dude, you know, it's a middling team. They're probably going to push for the eight seed in the East, which is like the least exciting sentence you can possibly <laughs> say in any context. <laughs> but I think this is a guy who can um, really help the Pistons. And it's nice to see Iso Joe back in the league. Yeah. Gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> Speaking of uh, back in the league, on the opposite, Sean Livingston has officially retired. Um, and I wrote this down in the notes, and you were just going to make the point that, yes, Sean Livingston has retired. But 
I'm a little bit peeved. I'm a little bit peeved at this. Because Please tell me why you're peeved at the guy who ripped up his knee and then managed <laughs> to return to become a three-time NBA champion with your team. So I, I love Sean Livingston. And Doesn't sound like it. No, I do. I love everything he's done up until the last month because he did, he's been doing the team stuff forever and ever. And then what he did is he pushed his guarantee back for his final year of his contract. So Golden State could, you know, this was before there was a bit of uncertainty about KD. So he said, all right, I'll just wait. You figure out what you're doing with D'Angelo, bloody blah. Um, so they made the sign trade for D'Angelo for that to fit in. They're going to need to cut some salary. So they waived Sean Livingston's um, contract, which was seven mil, but he has two million guaranteed, right? Um, and immediately after that, he said, yep, I'm going to go try and find um, another team to play with. He went on to the open market and couldn't find a team to play with, um, not even your Phoenix Suns, which I thought actually would be not a bad fit. But anyway, um, no team out there. I may, actually, you know what? Maybe Phoenix did offer him something, but it just... Look for a dude who has been making finals runs for the last. We've five got like years. eleven point guards now, so I, I don't I don't know that we would have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, I'll just leave that one. Um, <laughs> so then he decided to retire, which is like good on you. You know, you're retired, bloody blah, blah. But if he wanted to retire, he should have just retired with Golden State because it says that he's going to be offered an organizational role. If he retired in a Golden State jersey. Um, it's up to the discretion of the player and the team um, whether he wants to waive his two million or whether he wants to still get paid or even just waive the full seven million. So if he was on the team, I honestly think they could have said, "All right, just take your money off the books, save us two million in luxury taxes, which is get multiplied by whatever, and then come. You can have your organisational role. We'll have a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're going to make more than the fucking seven million back. Like they probably still are going to pay him that five million in difference, but." Why don't you just retire in a Warriors uniform and not give the Warriors that $2 million plus like all the additional luxury taxes that come after that and you know, is another reason why they're at the hard cap. But that is a very niche a very niche thing to have a problem with and congratulations on a wonderful career after such a terrible injury. You're a terrible person. I'm an awful You're person. You're a terrible person. I'm an awful person because that's the difference between giving Willie Cauley-Stein he's like a little bit extra above the minimum. Yeah, but you got him anyway. The dude won you three <sighs> championships. Bit of gratitude, please. I, I, do you love, want, I love Sean Livingston. Do you want a Sean Livingston fun fact? I thought you. Were, I honestly thought you were going to ask me, do you want a Sean Livingston jersey? And I was going to say yes. <laughs> do you want a Sean Livingston jersey? Sean? Yeah, sure. Sean Livingston, this is the fun fact. Sean Livingston has never missed a shot from the post. Bullshit. Nah, it's true. 100% where, where career shots that? on the post. From the post. Look it up. I'm, I'm literally on eBay right now. On eBay? I'm Googling Sean Livingston jersey. Because <laughs> my um, name's Sean. Yeah, <laughs> in case you weren't aware, he's never missed a shot from the post. He's uh, he's a hundred percent career field goal efficiency. If he posts up on you and launches into that over the shoulder fadeaway jumper, it just goes in every I, single time. I am going to miss that. It's sort of a jumper, sort of a hook shot, sort of like a turnaround. It is very doesn't matter because you're six three and he's six seven. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to miss not seeing like seeing Quinn Cook and. Sean Livingston and rats. Have you rats. already bought the jersey? No, nah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> How much do you reckon? Ooh. All right, this is clearly indicating the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, We've descended into the online shopping phase of the podcast. If you were to buy a Sean Livingston jersey, would you get the the bay with the like blue tiger on the front or would you get the dark blue, like sort of Asian one? I get or would the you, Asian one. Or would you just get a 
normal. Nah, I get the Asian one. What about the town? Yeah, the town's cool. Or? Which one's on with the tree? Is that the town? The town. That's yeah, the, town. No, the town's probably the coolest one. Actually, you're into conspiracy theories. Um, Damien Lillard is from Oakland, in case you didn't know, and he has that exact same tattoo on the exact same position, the tree tattoo. Maybe he wants to play for the Warriors. Well, yeah, maybe four years down the future. All right, so I'm just going to submarine your middle of the uni shoot um, shopping spree. Um, and just do a little bit of uh, self-promotion. So basically what we have decided to do here at the Deep 2 NBA podcast is create the Deep 2 NBA blog, which we're running on Medium. Um, and we're basically going to run through a couple of articles every week just talking about either what we've talked about on the pod, just like to consolidate it a little bit, or just kind of like NBA um, hot topics and our, our own thoughts and stuff. So we'll be quite active on the blog. Um, would love it if you guys can, you know, all kind of get into it as well and read along with us. Um, and, yeah, we're just, just kind of like a PSA that this is happening. We'll be sharing our articles through the Facebook, so make sure that you've liked and subscribed to um, Also on the new Deep 2 Twitter, so be sure to follow us on Twitter as yeah, well. Yeah, get around Twitter. Who, who knew that was a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, so make sure that you're following us along. We'll, um, you know, funnel all of the content through to you guys, but we'd love it if you can, you know, give it a read and let us know what you think. We always want interaction with our... Users, not users, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> End of the podcast with our listeners. So um, let us know what you what you think, what you want, what you want to see, um, how we can help you better. Yeah, at the moment we only have one article up there, which is my article. Well, we've got two, but an introductory and then my article, which is on Marcus Gasol and what's what's going to happen to Marcus Gasol this season, what can we expect, and my thoughts. Um, and then we sort of alluded to it a bit before, but Dante is writing something on Kyrie Irving, and then we're going to... We're going to try and post pretty regularly, probably once a week. Um, and also, we've got a few a few people that are keen to keen to contribute as well. This is this is pretty much this is a community. We want to make it into a little community. So if you um, ever want to write something or just chuck some words into paper, just send it to us, and we can yeah, we can get you out there and we can get you on the Deep Two blog because we want to have a range of opinions from different people, but only the correct opinions. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so if you're wrong, don't bother. Don't, yeah. don't bother. <laughs> and if you know you're wrong, then what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> well, thank you for that little uh, advert there, Dante. Um, if you could buy a Sean Livingston Finals home jersey for $51 with free shipping, would you do it? I wouldn't, but I don't care about Sean Livingston, so um, would uh, you? Yeah, I just want to make sure it's not fake because that's pretty cheap. It's extremely cheap. No shipping as well. <laughs> if it's too good to be true, it probably is. From ecrainer.com. <laughs> anyway, that'll be enough. Have a sick one. <laughs>